Hello and welcome to the Apostate Report. My name is Trey Harris. Tonight on the Apostate Report, we're going to be looking at the situation going on in Alberta, Canada with Grace Life Church. Um, You may be familiar with that due to Pastor James Coates being arrested and held in jail for 35 days, um, really over something that many are saying is bogus. So, um, But we're going to look at that Number one, we're going to look at his faithfulness to God in this instance and really look at more of the apostate nature of our country and Canada that are supposedly, I don't know, I'm not sure about Canada, but I know about the United States claims that it was founded on Christian ideals. And we're going to look into this and see the fallen nature of the United States in this area where the government has told churches that for a long time they had to shut down and then they could off they could open but it had to be at a certain capacity. We're going to look at what the Bible says about these things. Um and we're going to look at excuse me. Let me shut this off real quick. I apologize about that. We're going to look at a couple of articles that have to do with this and then really try to dig into um, what the Bible says about it, what the law of God says about um, how believers meet, and um, really what role does the government actually play in telling churches what they can and cannot do. So let's get into it. We're going to come over here to the screen share. We're going to get right into this. So, Grace Life, how an Edmonton area church became the center of Alberta's COVID-19 fight. Last June, Grace Life Church of Edmonton emerged from the first wave of COVID-19 like thousands of other Albertans, hopeful, a bit wary, and ready to adapt to the new, new normal. Hello, Grace Life family. Church elders wrote in a June 19th, 2020 bulletin, like countless faith groups, Grace Life has moved to online services at the pandemic's outset. But with the Alberta government easing restrictions, the church opted, quote, after consideration, discussion, and prayer, end quote, to reopen in-person worship that Sunday. The bulletin laid out how church leaders decided to return to quote, nearly normal, and the safety measures that would be taken to prevent outbreaks. Congregants were asked to refrain from hugs and handshakes. People with symptoms were asked to stay home. The church balcony would be open for those who wanted to socially distance while the nursery would remain closed. Quote, for those who are returning, it is important that we remain responsible and take reasonable measures to limit the spread of the virus, wrote church leaders. Fast forward ten months, and Grace Grace Life is the ultimate COVID is the ultimate COVID nineteen scafla, or a paragon of religious liberty, depending on who you ask. 
The church continued to hold overcapacity indoor services throughout COVID's second wave, despite surging infections and multiple public health orders mandating limits on in-person worship. Pastor James Coates spent 35 days in remand for repeatedly refusing to abide by the rules. The story took another dramatic turn April 7th when Alberta Health Services ordered Grace Life closed, preventing access to the building by erecting layers of fencing around the property. How did Grace Life, a once little-known church on the outskirts of Edmonton, become such a flashpoint in Alberta's battle against COVID-19? And how did authorities decide after months of waiting to finally take such dramatic action the story attempts to answer this story attempts to answer those questions inerrant and infallible grace church grace life church sits a few minutes west of edmonton on a plot of land in parkland county across a field from a corn maze and down the road from an rv storage facility grace life as the church has been known since 2012 was formally incorporated in november 2005 as grace reformed baptist church of edmonton the church's chairman and founder, Paul Klassen, is a retired RCMP officer who worked as a sergeant in the Edmonton-based technological crimes section. Grace Life is formally non-denominational and adheres to a literal interpretation of the Bible, which its roughly 400 congregants believe is authoritative, inerrant, authoritative, inerrant, and infallible, and supremely sufficient God, word of God. Um, and some of you who may follow the Celebrate Truth YouTube channel will know that J Pastor James Coates is the former pastor of Robbie Davidson. So, um, really small world. Unlike more mainline Protestant denominations and some evangelical groups, Grace Life and its associated churches believe that the human authors of the Bible receive direct divine guidance and that through a literal grammatical historical analysis a believer can discern a passage's one true interpretation i'm confused of how how unlike more mainline protestant denominations i would say that would probably be more like more apostate protestant denominations would not believe that but that's just me a significant part of grace life theological foundation was laid at the master seminary a theological school in los angeles california Coates is a graduate. He held both a master's and doctoral degrees, as are associate pastor Jacob Spence and Mike Hovland, a pastor of a plant church in La Crate, a hamlet 600 kilometers north of Edmonton. Um, and it goes on to talk about uh, the master's seminary, which is affiliated with John MacArthur. A measure of scrutiny... On March 12, 2020, Chief Medical Officer of Health Dr. Dina Henshaw announced Alberta's first COVID-19 health restrictions banning gatherings of more than 250 people with places of worship among the exceptions. Grace Life publicly acknowledged the pandemic for the first time the following day. It says, quote, We have a full assurance and confidence that our God knows what is going on and has a purpose for these times we are going through church leaders Leadership wrote in a bulletin. Nevertheless, we understand our role in being prudent leaders and want to ensure the health and safety of each member to the best extent possible. Later that month, two days after Alberta reduced gatherings 
limits to 15 people and ordered the closure of non quote non-essential businesses. Coates recorded a message for Grace Life members. In it, he acknowledged church leaders were wrestling with what to do. As in all his pronouncements, Coates cited scripture. Romans chapter 13 commands believers to submit to the governing authorities, recognizing they've been given authority from God, he acknowledged. But the book of Hebrews, on the other hand, exhorts us not to forsake the gathering of the saints. We're going to look at both of those, and uh, we're going to try to iron this out for ourselves. That March, after much debate, the church chose compliance. Coates argued compliance was the correct course at that time, because of health concerns, and because authorities were not individually targeting or persecuting Grace Life. It's not as though the church is being singled out in any way, shape, or form. There is precedent throughout history, even in the time of the Puritans, where there's agreement that not gathering in a context like this is appropriate, he added, so we believe at this point in time that compliance with the governing authorities is the best thing we can do. Coates also revealed that Alberta's health services had already received a complaint about the size of Grace Life's worship services. We were in compliance, he insisted. Nevertheless, it's good for you, the congregation, to know that because you can understand that we're going to receive a measure of scrutiny. On June 9th, the Alberta government entered stage two of its relaunch plan and lifted capacity restrictions on in-person worship. Grace Life returned to in-person services on June 21st. In an affidavit sworn in January, Coates detailed the safety measures Grace Life took for its return to worship. Church leadership ceased passing the offering plate, modified how they dis distribute the Lord's Supper and purchase mask and hand sanitizer, quote, leaving it to each congregant to make their own informed decision, end quote. The June 19th bulletin stressed that COVID infections were nevertheless a real risk, one that had, quote, the potential to draw negative public attention to grace life, end quote. Still, there were signs that Grace Life was bucking under government restrictions. In his affidavit, Coates said the church, church's initial move to online worship was a product of, quote, ignorance with respect to COVID-19 and its severity. He launched onto Premier Jason Kenney's references to COVID as an influenza that usually only kills the sick and elderly. The congregation had its first brush with COVID a few weeks after reopening in early July. Grace leaders learned that a handful of congregants had tested positive, Coates said in his affidavit. After others were tested, it was determined by church leaders that no transmission had taken place at their Sunday gatherings. Still, as a precaution, Grace Life postponed in-person worship services for two weeks and made its own attempt at contract contact tracing. Alberta Health Services said it had received no reports of outbreaks at Grace Life since the pandemic began. AHS has different definition of what constitutes a COVID outbreak depending on the setting. In a church setting like Grace Life, AHS will publicly report an outbreak when there are 10 cases linked to a common source of exposure within a four-week span. Alberta's contact tracing system, however, buckled under the load of new cases last fall, and it's unclear the extent of which Grace Life, Grace Life has cooperated with AHS 
and when cases arise. Well, let's see. The second wave, Alberta's second wave was the worst in Canada. Cases began um, their upward swing in September and surged through the fall and early winter. It wasn't until November 21st after the alarming growth in case counts, hospitalizations, and death. All right, so, so Kenny, a practicing Catholic... This is Jason Kenny, the premier of Alberta, capped worship services at one-third of fire code occupancy while with physical distancing and masking, but stressed that he was loath to interfere with people's private lives. Quote, I certainly didn't go into public service, nor did any of the people sitting around our cabinet table or in order to impose restrictions of how people live their lives. He said, to be clear, this was not this will not affect the vast majority of faith communities who are already respecting the physical distancing guidelines, he said. But it will make it clear that these are no longer just guidelines and that this is not optional. We believe that this approach balances the charter-protected fundamental right to freedom of religion with the public health imperative. Alberta announced new restrictions on December 8th, including a provision limiting placements of worship to 15% capacity, the rules which remain in place today. And the reason we want to go through all this is we want to, for those of you who may not be um, familiar with all the details like myself, I know things here and there from where I followed other podcasts that have brought it up, but we'll read through this so we can have context because we're going to go look into some other articles. And then before we get into the final segment where we look at the scripture, we're going to hear from Pastor James Coates himself on an interview he did with the guys down at Cross Politic over in Moscow, Idaho. Up to this point, much of the Grace Life controversy has taken place behind the scenes. That changed in December. Post Media first mentioned the church in a story about how Christian groups were preparing to celebrate Christmas under the new restrictions. The story noted Grace Life had been ordered to comply with COVID-19 requirements after health inspectors saw unmasked attendees mingling with members of other households. Police and health experts had been attending Grace Life off and on since the summer. On December 13th, two RCMP cruisers and an Alberta government vehicle pulled into the parking lot after worship services began. Robert Komiak, a greeter and parking lot attendant, confronted the officials alongside two other Grace Life members. Eventually, and over their protest, the officials entered the church. The scene with which Komiak described in an affidavit was tense. Congregants being, began filming the officers with their cell phones. The health inspector asked to observe the service, which she did from the balcony. After taking a few photos, the congregation, again over, again over the Grace Life members' protests, she left. On December 17th, public health inspector Janine Hanrahan issued an order instructing Grace Life to adhere to the occupancy limits, social distancing, and masking rules. The RCMP also issued Coates a $1,200 ticket under the Public Health Act. The back and forth continued after the holidays. On January 21st, the Court of Queens bench granted an AHS application giving teeth to Hanrahan's December 17th order. The next Sunday, Hanrahan and two RCMP officer attended Grace Life and once again found the church packed from the balcony. She counted 293 worshipers in the sanctuary, a space for which 15% capacity is 64 people. 
Coates acknowledged their presence and asked the congregation to show appreciation for them. The crowd stood to cheer and clap a high-risk activity for droplet, quote, a high-risk activity for droplet spread, especially from unmasked individuals, end quote, Hanrahan noted in her report. Wow. What can you say except for this? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I mean, how can you just sit there? I mean, personally, I think that was a very humble thing for Pastor Coates to do, to acknowledge these people and appreciate the work that they were trying to do. Oh, my goodness. Anyway... All right, so it goes on to talk about on January 29th, Hanrahan ordered Grace Life closed until it complied with public health orders, but 10 more Sundays would pass before the order was enforced. Grace Life's profile continued to grow through February. On February 7th, it posted a message to the public on its website questioning the science behind public health measures. And there's a reason for that, and we'll get into that. Um, We're going to hear from Pastor Coates why he said this. Church leaders had begun using quotation marks when referring to the pandemic, saying that based on an, quote, immense amount of research, end quote, they had concluded that the science supporting COVID-19 restrictions is both suspect and selective. I would totally agree. By the time the so-called pandemic is over, if it is ever permitted to be over, Albertans will be utterly reliant on government instead of free, prosperous, and independent The message concludes Coates was arrested after church that same day and charged with breaching the Public Health Act, according to an affidavit filed by Aaron Coates. The discussion took place in his office after the worship service. Officers presented him with a legal undertaking, ordering him to appear in court and in the meantime to abide by the Public Health Act. Coates refused to sign, as is his right. The next week after leading another service, Coates turned himself into Parkland RCMP where police added two additional counts under the Public Health Act and a charge of failing to comply with an undertaking when he again refused to sign the document. Coates was jailed at the Edmonton Remand Center. Over the next 35 days, interested in the interest in the case surged. Jason Kenney found himself the target of a growing backlash from both allies of Coates and from opponents, wondering why the church was being allowed to continue breaking the rules. Nathan Businitz, dean of faculty at Master Seminary, issued a statement on behalf of the school comparing Coates to biblical martyrs throughout history. Grace Life was charged with a legal, as a legal entity, but continued to meet its attendance as high as it had ever been. On March 4th, the JCCF, asked the Court of Queens to review of Coates' bail conditions. James Kitchen, Coates' lawyer, argued the condition that Coates could not hold church services violated his charter rights. Kitchen noted that even if Coates was convicted of the COVID-related offenses, none of the offenses under the Public Health Act carry a prison sentence. 
The hearing took place by video conference and was attended by hundreds of Coates supporters. Others rallied outside the courthouse. The prosecutor took the unusual step of withholding her name, citing some security issues that have arisen on this matter. The next day, Justice Peter Michalishan decided that Coates' request denied the Coates' request, ruling there were no legal errors in the initial bail decision. He remained subject to the rule of law, is what Michalishan Michalishan concluded. I hope I'm saying that name right. Um, and he was released. Coates was released from jail March 22nd after agreeing to plead guilty to breaching and undertaking. In exchange, the Crown withdrew all but one Public Health Act charge. Coates and defense lawyers proposed a $100 fine for the breach, but Judge Jeffrey Champion balked. He took the unusual step of refusing to accept the joint submission instead of impose, instead imposing a $1,500 fine paid for by Coates' time behind bars. He also admonished Coates, telling him his services risked becoming super spreaders. Keep that in mind. We're going to hear something interesting in a few minutes. Your decision could have been of danger to the health and safety of those in the community, he said. Coates intends to challenge the constitutionality of the Public Health Act restrictions at his trial in May. I want to see if it gets into some of the other stuff. Um, Let's see. Looks like it does not, but just so you know, since then, the church has actually been fenced up. And let's see. Looks like the church has been fenced up, and this is what this article says. Protesters rally to call to cause of jailed Canadian church pastor as pastor awaits trial. So let's see. This is from April 15th, 2021. For months, Grace Life Church near Edmonton, Alberta, has ignored Alberta Health Services guidelines limiting religious gatherings. In February, the authorities pushed back jailing the non-denominational church's pastor, the Reverend James Coates, for 35 days. On April 7th, after the church continued to breach rules about mask wearing and limiting attendance to 15% capacity, health inspectors and police ordered the church closed fenced off its grounds, and posted a guard. Earlier this week, after a, after a day after 400 people protest the closure outside the fence-off church, the Edmonton Journal reported that the church had held a clandestine in-person service at an undisclosed location, during which Coates said his church had been jailed. In case anyone missed it, however, the church posted the service on YouTube. Coates is a former student of the Reverend John MacArthur of Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. Um, goes on, and of course they're going to make that connection because John MacArthur is the biggest enemy of the state in California because he has also refused to shut his church down. I'm actually not a huge fan of John MacArthur, but I do respect the man for standing up for his right as an American citizen and for saying that Jesus is king above everybody else. So um, we've got that, and there's the fence around the church. This is absolutely ridiculous. This is tyranny at its finest. 
In response to the protest, Alberta's Premier James Kenney said people of all faiths should take COVID-19 seriously. Quote, my message to the people of faith in particular would be that if you believe in the sanctity of human life, please act accordingly, end quote, he said. So um, I would, my question for Premier, uh, the Premier would be, um, does this, uh, what has a higher um, survival rate, um, the 100% mortality rate of unborn children in abortion clinics or the 95% survival rating of COVID-19. And I don't want to diminish anybody who has died from the virus or from complications that the virus caused. But um, really, I mean, let's let's face it here. These people are adults. They're capable of making their own decisions, and they should be allowed the right to make these decisions and to protect those that are genuinely, legitimately at risk from whether it's this virus or the flu or anything like that. These people have the freedom and the ability to make their own decisions, and the government should not interfere. Quote, this virus is real. It's taken the lives of 2,000 Albertans, of millions of people around the world, and we are right now in the midst of what is likely the biggest wave of infection that we've experienced to date, end quote. Other Alberta faith leaders also criticized Grace Life, including the Reverend Greg Glatz of Calgary's Knox United Church. Um, yeah, we're going to hear a little bit more about him in a minute, too. I think it was long overdue, and it, is, and it needed to be done, end quote. He said of the government's decision to close the church. It makes no sense that a church would have to take a hard stand and say, you know, in the name of faithfulness to God or in the name of faithfulness to our congregation, we have to defy public health orders, it says. Across Canada, people of faith have mostly accepted restrictions on in-person gatherings and that and that have ranged from no in-person services to between 10% and 30% of capacity, depending on the province of and the severity of the virus at any given time. Now, I would also like to point this out. If you are in a church or you know anybody who is in a church and they are meeting with these capacities or they've chosen not to, understand whether you agree with it or not that this is their right. However, every single assembly, whether they meet on Saturdays, Sundays, whether they meet in homes or in churches or under a 501c3, no matter what it is, each one of those assemblies and each one of those people in the assemblies, we all answer to our King and High Priest, Jesus Christ. He will judge us for the decisions we make. And really, the government, they can say that they they have the ability to do that all they want, According to the Bible, we're going to take a look and see what they actually have the ability to do. So before we do that, I was going to read this Gospel Coalition article, but honestly, I hate the Gospel Coalition with the purple passion, so I'm not going to do that. View or in another one, but I do know that uh, one of the things that Pastor James Coates said was when it came to what he was actually arrested for, they said that, uh, um, and I think it was in this one, um, The uh, they talked about having Mr. Veerzen on, which is a, he is in the Canadian Parliament. He was a, one of the representatives for Alberta. I'm really not uh, too familiar with how parliamentary governments work. It's just 
you know, uh, we, I think we talked about it for a little bit in my U.S. government class. We compared our congressional um, legislative branch to parliament and all that, and I, I think I snoozed through most of it. So, um, But one of the things you kept hearing him say, especially with this guy we talked about earlier from, um, from that Knox church, he said he sounds like he wanted Caesar to be his ruler, but we believe Christ is ruler. And we saw earlier that he had cited Romans 13 about submitting to the governing authorities. So let's take a look at this real quick. So, matter of fact, I'm going to pull it up so you guys can read along too. Um, Let's see. We'll come over here, and we will go to, whoops. All right, Romans 13, 1 through 7 on BibleGateway.com. For those of you watching this on the video podcast, um, we will be reading out of the King James like normal. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And so um, I know that apparently this was something that the Nazis used as propaganda to get the churches to go along in um, Nazi Germany during World War II when Germany, the Third Reich, rose to power. Um, And so it has been misused. I know there are some who say that, no, this applies to the Levites. Um, I highly doubt that, just given the context of the fact that this was Paul writing to people in Rome where the Levites were not. So I just, I don't see that being the case. Um, I get the argument, and I kind of see the, I think Paul might be using them as an example um, of how they enforced, they were the enforcers of um, right and wrong in the in the Old Testament system of the tabernacle and of the temple and things like that. But uh, anyway, let's read and you'll see what I mean. Uh, verse 2, for whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and that and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And so that's where this abuse comes in as people look at it and they say, well, goodness, I, I don't, I don't want to receive damnation, so I, 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 better just, I better just do what the governing authorities say and uh, because, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't want to mess with the... With, with God's anointed, but um, let's take a look at it uh, because there's there's qualifications here. Verse 3, 4, rulers are not a terror to good works. So we have good works here, right? So we're going to, we'll, we'll highlight that, or at least, yeah. And then we have the ordinances of God over here, so we're going to highlight that. All right, so let's just let's just. I want you to keep that. The resisteth the ordinances of God, for the rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. 
For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render this very thing. What is that? So what is the this very thing? It is the fact that they are not a terror to good, and they beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger, and to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. They are law enforcement. The government's job is law enforcement. Now here's the question. Where does the law come from? Let's read verse 7 real quick. Render therefore all to all their dues, tribute to them, to tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So it's like Jesus said, right? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's. And so we're going to take a look at that. What is verse Caesar's versus what is God's? <clears throat> Your tax money is Caesar's. Um, so let's take a look at this. Um, so the 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 job of the government is to enforce the law. But what law? The ordinance of God, right? So it's God's law. So let's just take a look and see what God has to say about sacred assemblies, shall we? So we can head over here to Leviticus 23 and... Many of you that may listen to this that are still in um, traditional Sunday churches, especially if you're in like one of these modern, hip, seeker-friendly churches, you're probably not going to really understand like why we're going here. But if you stick around, you'll find out. And I could be wrong. Maybe you do know. I just know that when I was in, I can only go on my own experience. When I was in my seeker-friendly church, this never came up. Um Leviticus 23, 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feast. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even the holy convocations which ye shall proclaim in their season. So let's head over here. Um, if you look that word convocation, so like let's come back here just so you can see the word convocations is the word, it comes from the word mikra, and this is what the word mikra means. It is a convocation convoking a reading is what Strong's Concordance says, but let's go to see what, so like if you go to the New American Standard Exhaustive Concordance, it is assemblies, assembly, convocation, convocations, reading, or a summoning. Brown Driver Briggs says this, it is a convocation, a convoking, or a reading, a convocation, or a sacred assembly. So it was an assembly where they would come together and they would read, most likely in that instance, from the law of God. So we see that even in the Old Testament on the Sabbath, you read from the law of God. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't just the Sabbath. And look, here's the thing. So why did we go to Leviticus? Because understand that as believers in Jesus Christ and as the children of God, we are his people. His law still applies to us. This is not. This is a moral law. How do I know it's a moral law? Because if you don't do what God says, it's immoral, uh, number one. But this has to do with the meetings of God right? 
This is God saying when his children should meet and how. So in the fourth day, in the 14th day of the first month, even at even is the Lord's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. And the first day you shall have an holy convocation. When you shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an animal. And it goes on to give. Um, we're not going to read the entire thing for time's sake. You can guys can read that on your own. It's a really good. If you've never read Leviticus 23, I highly recommend it. It's actually a really good chapter. Leviticus used to be one of my least favorite books. It was such a drudge to get through. And now it is one of my absolute favorites. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. And uh, speak unto the children of Israel, when you be coming to the land which I give you, shall reap the harvest thereof. Then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits. This is the last day of Passover. Um, or not the last day, excuse me, but um, it's uh, the Sunday, or the, what is it, the Sunday after the first Sabbath of the week or something like that. <clears throat> anyway, first fruits was the day that Jesus resurrected. If you're harvesting to the priest, he shall wave the sheaf. Before the Lord to be accepted of them tomorrow after the Sabbath. Yeah, the priest shall wave it, and ye shall offer that day. Ye shall have a sheaf and an he lamb without blemish of the first year. And the meat offering shall be two-tenths of a deal of fine flour. We shall either not bread nor parched corn nor... <coughs> Excuse me. And ye shall count unto you from tomorrow after that. This is the counting of the Omer, which leads into... Um, Pentecost, you count seven Sabbaths. Um, let's see. And you shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it be a holy convocation unto you. So do you get the point? These are not suggestions. These are commands. You shall do this. There's no question. It's not a, well, you should do this. No, it's a, you shall do this. Um, Hebrews, um, and I really, oh, man, I wish... I probably should have written this down, but of course I did not. Um, but Hebrews does say, and this is what Pastor James Coates referred to, it says, um, Forsake not the assemblings of yourselves together, even so much more as you see that day approaching. And brothers and sisters, that day is approaching, and it's approaching fast. So I just wanted to give you, get basically you guys a quick rundown of this. And understand that this man is being venerated by Christians, in my opinion, falsely so-called apostates that are have given over their governance to Caesar. But understand that Jesus is Lord, and we get we render Caesar what we render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and that's that tax money, right? It's got Caesar's face on it. You give it to him. However. We also render unto God what is God's. And if it's in this word right here, you best believe you're supposed to do it. And we're supposed to meet. Now you say, well, maybe you're in a situation like I am where there's really not anybody like-minded near. And that's okay. Because, you know, it's, you know, I know this is about, the passage is more about confrontation, but understand that it still applies if two or three are gathered in his name, the Lord is right there with you, whether it be you're confronting somebody or if you are meeting to fellowship in your home, it, the same applies either way. So um, I think that is really about all I have for that. I just wanted to make sure that we were 
going over this. We're coming right up on an hour anyway, but I wanted to make sure that this was something we could talk about on the apostate report because understand they're making James Coates out to be like he's some sort of criminal, but the man is just paying the dues to his one true king. And I wanted to share it out to give encouragement to all of us to do the same because it starts it starts with the local people. We and look, you don't rise up violently in protest. You never saw the apostles rise up violently, but read Acts where they're brought before the Sanhedrin or before the Sadducees. It's fantastic what they do. And Jesus even gives us, he says, we're going to be brought into their synagogues, we're going to be flogged, and we're going to be brought before tribunals. But think not what you're going to say in those days, because the Lord will give you the things to say. Thank you guys so much for sticking with us through this. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them down below in the comments section if you have any other questions. And uh, you can email us at coursecorrectionth at gmail.com. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and we will see you next week back on the Course Correction Radio podcast. Thank you.